started. So hello everyone, and this is your host, Erin Correa, and you are listening to Walking Each Other Home. Thank you for tuning in. It's been my dream for quite some time to launch this podcast, and I'm so excited to announce my first guest, Sarah Newberry. Although, is it different now that you're married, or are you still going by Sarah Newberry? It's either way. You can call me Sarah Newberry. That's fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so Sarah is a body worker and she's the owner of Soul Shine Barefoot Massage Therapy, which is located in my hometown, St. Louis, Missouri. She's a mom of two, stepmom of one, business owner and mentor, and a loving wife. So Sarah and I met back in 2009, I think, something like that. Uh, we both worked for a massage school, so she was actually my manager at the time, and we connected on many different levels. In fact, I think it's really been a while since we've connected, so I'm glad that you're here. And uh, I was just mentioning before the podcast uh, started about the time that I hit your car in the parking lot and had to <laughs> go inside and tell everyone and to tell you that I, I your car I was so nervous and. Um, but I'm so glad that you were so calm and kind and understanding about the situation. So thanks again for that. <laughs> um, That's awesome. What a great memory. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to interview Sarah today because back in 2015, she, I think it was 2015, she reached out to me um, to let me know that her mom was transitioning and wanted to know more about how she could be support her mom. So... Sarah supported her mom through the months of her treatment uh, and at her transition, and so I am filled with a lot of joy that you are here on this podcast today to share about your experience of walking your mom home and, you know, how that experience felt and unraveled for you. So thank you again for being here. And, uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. And if you want to share, too, about the baby in the background... Um, that'd be awesome. So if we here to cooing. Yeah, yeah. I just had a baby about, um, well, he turned a month old on on Saturday, two days ago. So he's, he's just a little over a month. Um, so you awesome. might hear him kind of squeaking and cooing in the background. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. He's very vocal. I like that. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to say. Me too. Yeah. So if you would like to share your mom's name and, you know, just how it was kind of growing up with her, and uh, basically this is an opportunity just to sort of paint a picture for everyone listening um, and just to kind of share a little bit about the legacy of your mom before we uh, get into some of the questions. Yeah. Um, so my mom, her name is Judith Newberry. And um, let's see, kind of like where do you start? Um I was her only child. Um, she, before I was born, she had a brain aneurysm, and it oh. almost took her life. And this was what, like, 40 years ago. So the wow. technology was way different. Um, mm -hmm. And they told her not to have any children. So um, that's the reason why I'm the only one. Um, and let's see. So she. Uh, really felt compelled to have a child because she really wanted to share her wisdoms in her life with 
with one of her babies. So um, there was a lot of emphasis around that growing up as a child about how I wasn't really supposed to be here, but now I'm here and here we are. Um, and so let's see, I grew up in a really small town, um, in her hometown, and then I moved away whenever I was about 20, and I moved mm -hmm. to um, a couple different cities, but I, I ended up settling in St. Louis, and she stayed in the town that I grew up in. So there was a lot of traveling back and forth, especially whenever she fell ill. Um, mm -hmm. And gr growing up in a small town was really interesting because I was a artistic and creative person, and there wasn't a lot of outlets for that in such a small town. So that caused some um, strain and some risk, if you will. Um, sure. Uh, but sh she was always very um, supportive of me finding myself and fulfilling my journey in whatever that is. So she was always a big cheerleader of me growing and learning and, and being happy. That's all she really wanted was for me to be happy. So that was really always kind of the driving force in choices I made. and and things of that. Like my mom was always there for me. She was just always my in the background saying, You can do this, you got this. Even whenever I opened my business. She's never been a business owner or anything like that. Um she's a she was a nurse. And mm -hmm. she still always cheered me on. You you can do this, you got this. I don't know what you're doing, but you got this. <laughs> and <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So she was just always kind of a, a good, solid rock in my life, for sure. Uh-huh. That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you for kind of sharing a little bit about that. And I like that you said that she was your cheerleader and just wanted you to be happy. That's, that's really, yeah. really awesome. So maybe if you could just share what is one of your favorite memories of your mom. Yeah, well, one of my... Um, it, looking back on it, it was a fond memory. In the moment, it wasn't so much. But when I was a little kid, I mentioned my mom was a nurse, and um, uh -huh. she worked for a podiatrist's office, so she worked with people's feet, which is kind of ironic given what kind of <laughs> massage I do. Yeah, um, yeah. But <laughs> she always kind of had this dream of me becoming a nurse, following in her footsteps, and uh, it, it was very obvious early on not going to be part of my path because we were at her office and we were helping my cousin get stitches taken out and I was holding my cousin's hand and I'm watching very intently them, you know, taking these stitches out, which is not really, it's not like surgery or something, right? So uh -huh. I'm watching intently and I turn around and I, I give a look at my mom and my mom was like, she could just how I was ready to hit the floor. I was white as a oh, wow. white as a sheet, and <laughs> I just uh, the room all came in, and I passed out. And you know, my mom would always kind of tease me from that point going forward about how I was never going to make it as a nurse because I couldn't even watch and get stitches taken out. <laughs> and that, oh, that is still true yeah. to this day uh -huh. that I I'm not so good with like other people's bodily fluids. Blood and stuff, but uh -huh. it was not my, not my thing. <laughs> so it, yeah. it, that was definitely a really fond memory to kind of look back on later. 
can giggle about that she was so she loved being a nurse and there was just no way I was going to make it there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But I would say that you have a lot you you have uh you know, the very the same compassionate nature of a nurse. So that's really cool. Um Oh yeah, so, totally. Since you mentioned the feet, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, divert for just a second, and I'll just say before I mentioned uh, that Sarah owns Sunshine uh, Barefoot Massage, so maybe just take a moment and you can just tell us about that, since your mom did work for a podiatrist, yeah. and so it's, it's yeah. kind of neat, and, and maybe what she thought about your business as well. Yeah, um, it's funny, because we always had feet kind of everywhere, like her scrubs always had feet on them and, and that kind of thing growing <laughs> up as a kid. And um, I, w I went into massage therapy and I love creating a space for people to really relax and unwind, but I wanted to keep my career going. And um, as a kid, I was a dancer and so I used a lot of my whole, my whole body as my tool. So Whenever uh -huh. I discovered Ashiatsu and barefoot massage, it just sort of made sense. But basically, um, Ashiatsu is where we have stationary bars on the ceiling, and using soft, clean feet, we deliver the deepest, most luxurious massage on the planet, which basically means that we, we walk on people. So instead of using our hands to deliver the massage, we use our feet. And um, it's, it's really quite divine. The foot just fits so nicely with the body in different... Um, positions that it's, you can't even tell it's our feet that we're using. It's pretty spectacular. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow, that sounds awesome. Very awesome. I, I definitely need to get one of those massages when I go back to St. Louis. So, and um, yeah, I'm going to put your, your link up for everyone, too, so they can check out that type of massage. And um, if they're around in the area, they can definitely uh, schedule a massage with you guys. That would be great. So, so then what is your mom, how did she feel about the business? Because I know you kind of mentioned she hadn't been a business owner. And, you know, yeah. what was her take on the whole on the whole thing? Well, she, her and I, were, we are very different people. Um, mm -hmm. She's very conservative, very, you know, safe, whereas I'm a little bit more, a little bit more, like, let's just jump in and trust the process and the universe uh -huh. will provide for me. Um, a lot of uh, conversation about are you sure this is okay and, and mm -hmm. you know I, I, I've always just been like yeah I got this I'll figure it out and you know she, <laughs> she's always, she always came to all of my you know I had a ribbon cutting at the studio and she drove the two hours from where she lives to St. Louis to come and be a part of it and she brought me like a, like a little house plant with a card in it that said, you know, like, we believe in you, love mom and dad. That plant mm -hmm. is still in the studio, you know, and it, every day I see it and it reminds me that my mom is always kind of going, I don't know what you're doing, but you got this, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I love it. I love yeah. that. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit then about you know your journey of walking your mom home and so I guess you know if we can start sort of at the beginning of like when did you first know that your mom was sick and kind of how that process yeah. was um, up until sort of you know what were the indications that she was you know 
going to be transitioning soon and, uh, you know, did she go on hospice or what was that like? Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, she originally started having symptoms in 2013. And okay. um, the symptoms were that she couldn't really finish a sentence without losing run like a, a long way. Um, so that was kind of the first sign of, whoa, something serious is going on. This isn't just like a cold or some sort of virus or something. It's like something really serious is going on. Um, right, right. And so let's see. I found out I was pregnant with my first son in late of 2013 and her her birthday is on September 5th my mom's birthday my mom for dinner and we gave her a um, picture frame of the sonogram to kind of let her know that she was going to have a grandson or grand we didn't know at the time and then um, she hadn't had any symptoms yet so we were all really excited going to have a baby and then two weeks later, that's whenever the symptoms started showing up. And about, it was really relatively quickly that she was diagnosed with lung cancer. Um, okay. And the type of lung cancer that she had, I can't even pronounce the name, so I don't know if that's really <laughs> important. Anyway. No, it's um, okay. We don't need to get into the yeah. details. But, but yeah, right, and wow. they, at the time, they gave her a prognosis of six months. Okay. So, she so we didn't even know if she was going to get to meet my oldest son, who's now almost three. Um, uh-huh. But she ended up surpassing the prognosis and living for another three years. So wow. the six months was definitely not what happened, you know. And so she chose to do chemo and radiation and. Um, uh-huh. And so that was an interesting process, especially with being like conscious and aware and being present to her feelings and emotions about it. Um, uh-huh. And then with every step of the way, choosing yes, I'm forward or no, I'm not. That was very challenging and hard sometimes. And then sometimes really relieving. Um, and then, mm-hmm. so then she was doing really good for a while. And then in, 2016, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of the timeline, about July 2016, it was kind of like, okay, everything that we're doing isn't working anymore, and we to make some really serious decisions. Sure. So sure. then in August, August and September, she ended up passing away on September 7th, 2016, um, and it went really quickly once she decided that that's what she was gonna she was gonna stop chemo and and go on hospice and and kind of just manage her life experience. Mm-hmm. So you were gonna mention that, but like, did you say that sometimes she was, you know, wanted to do chemo and kind of move forward, and then other times she was sort of ready, like just just said that she was done with it. Is um. So how did that feel in those moments for you? Because I think, you know, was it a release sometimes or, you know, how did you feel during that process? 
Yeah. It, you know, I would say the biggest challenge for me was um, being her daughter and her and I had such an interesting relationship where she truly shared herself with me and mm. no no one else really. I mean, not even, I mean, she obviously shared herself with my dad too, but um, I don't know. There was just something really special about our relationship that she totally divulged her her true feelings. And so there would be lots of times on the phone where she would tell me about her experience with other people giving her advice, right? So you should do this, you shouldn't do this, whatever. Yeah. And I was always just, kind of like, well, what, what do you want, Mom? Like, remember that this is about you and your life and your experience. What do you want? Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, no matter how hard it was for me, it was more about her. Or it was yeah. important for me that it was more about her, you know, and, and what she truly wanted. And not letting what I wanted to come through my conversation with her. Yeah, that's really amazing that you you got that. You were able to, like, hold that space for her. Because I know so often, um, a lot of times, as someone is sick or dying, we tend to get caught up in our own grief and our own sort of attachment mm-hmm. to the person and want to push our own agendas, our own opinions. And so I just think that that's really beautiful, that you really got it. And you understood, you know, that it was about her and, and that you uh, wanted to sort of fulfill her wishes. I, that's really, really powerful. So, no, it's wrong. There were times where I really, I mean, I still to this day wish my mom was alive. But I, but there were times where it was really hard to watch her go through what she was going through. And I just wanted to be like, give up. <laughs> like, it's okay. You can uh-huh. give up. And there were yeah. several times that that was, that was said to her, too, because she seemed like that's what she really, she almost needed someone to say, it's okay, you don't have to keep going forward. Um, yeah. And and I think that that was really good for her, but, you know, sometimes it was more of a selfish thing where I was like, I don't know if I can go through this roller coaster of emotions anymore because there was a lot of, you're not going to make it. You're going to make it. You're not going to make it. You're going to make it. Oh, and now we're down. We're going down the hill again where you only have a couple of months. And now, oh, you're doing really great. You're responding well. And so there was a lot of, a lot of emotions. And it was, it was yeah. a lot to handle for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's, you know, um, the whole part of, of, you know, saying that sometimes you, you felt it was selfish or, you know, for yourself. I mean, I think that that's what makes us all human. And I think sometimes the, the journey can be exhausting for caregivers and loved ones, you know, just as it can be exhausting for the dying person. But I talk to a lot of people sometimes about um, that permission and, you know, how especially from loved ones, it's okay to hear you know, if your mom is truly at a point, you know, was truly at a point of really wanting to, you know, let go of the uh, chemo treatments and stuff, how validating and, you know, wonderful it was, I'm sure, for her to hear permission from you, you know, that it was okay. Um, 
Um, and so I always remind people of that, that you know, it's okay to give permission. And also, um, I think a lot of times, which we'll get into this, but we tend to hold off on saying that we'll miss someone or, you know, those kinds of things, which I think are really important for the person who um, is dying to hear, you know. Because um, they want to know that they're going to be remembered, you know, and celebrated and those kinds of things. Oh, and I think totally. that validation part and really, you know, uh, is really helpful in the transition process and I think can make, um, you know, can help smooth it out a little bit. So thanks for sharing all that. It's incredible. Um, so what, you know, since you talked about um, the the human side of it, you know, and that it's a difficult process to, um, you know, walk your loved one home and, uh, you know, especially uh, mother or child, but really any any loss is, you know, difficult when you're there by someone's side. So for you, what was, you know, what was the most different, difficult part of the journey for you? Oh, I think, I think it was that emotional roller coaster of not knowing what's really going on. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even, even very much towards the end of her life and really when she transitioned, there, you know, we all knew what was happening, but it all still really happened quickly and took us a little bit by surprise. Sure. So I think that the most difficult part of it was she always bounced back from the treatments really well and responded really well. And so we kind of all got used to that. And it was like, oh, she she didn't respond all this time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think sometimes knowing too much can be just as as difficult as not knowing enough. Mm, I like that. So knowing too much can be as difficult as not knowing enough a yeah. lot. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Um, so I really want to talk a little bit more about um, conscious grieving. And because I know that you sort of reached out to me and then you, you know, periodically I would see your post and you would talk about conscious grieving a little bit. and already just you sharing kind of about it being about what your mom wants and not what you want. I mean, I think that that shows an incredible amount of consciousness through the process. And so I guess, you know, um, if we could just talk about like how, you know, uh, how was conscious grieving for you and how was, you know, approaching the topic of grief while your mom was still alive? Mm-hmm. Well, it was one of the, I think one of the biggest challenges for conscious grieving for me was that my mom was not on board with that. She, in lots of ways, she really wanted to pretend like it didn't, it wasn't happening to her. Um, uh -huh. So, but I, but in other ways, I think that that being conscious and grieving with someone who was really trying to deny what was happening to her made it all the more better for me that I was being conscious of what I needed and what I was feeling so then I could respond to what she needed in a more loving, compassionate way rather than 
you know, it was like I could check myself and be like, I'm not angry at her. I'm angry at the situation, maybe, or sure. whatever. Um, but it wasn't me reacting to something she said or did. It was just me being able to really say, you know, I'm having a tough time right now. Like, can we talk about it later or whatever? Um, uh-huh. Really just being present with myself and nourishing my needs so then I could be fully present for her and then respond to her needs. Sure. Yeah. I love the way you put that because I think that is so important too. Is, and I think that that's what the idea of conscious reasons is, as you said, is the presence to be able to, you know, have that self-care for ourselves so then we can be there for our loved ones. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's, it's really easy to, um, you know, to have burnout or taking care of someone and, you know, to fall back not take care of ourselves and then we're not good for the other person. So um, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So you wrote something and not ask you permission. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you permission now. And um, it's, you wrote a post a while back and you, you, it starts with grief is not always pretty and I'll be honest. And so I'm wondering if you're willing, if I can read a little piece of it. Would that be yeah, okay? totally. Totally. Okay. I I really believe in the, <laughs> the power of share, sharing, and I want to be as like open and honest about my feelings to everyone because I know my posting about my conscious grieving has brought so many people out of the woodwork saying, "This is awesome that you're doing this." Yeah. The more I can share, the better we're all going to be. So, yeah, please do. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your willingness. I'm like, oh, I'm just putting her on the spot. But, okay, so I'll read it, and then I'm about to talk about it a little bit. But uh, So Sarah wrote, grief is not always pretty, and I'll be honest. I usually share the upswing of things. It's scary to share the sad moments, but I try because I know there are several of you watching and opening because of my experience. For that, I feel very humbled. Some moments can be really scary and ugly. Today, my mom has been gone for three months. It feels like it's been three years. One night, I listened to old voicemails from her and sobbed in my car. All I to hear her love you. But alas, that was not on any of the stored calls. I reread some of our texts to attempt to feel close to her. Some days, I feel nothing. Homeless inside, and some days I feel like I want to push it all away and pretend like it doesn't exist. I'm told that's part of the process. And then you go on to say, it seems fitting to share, but at the same time. Many of you know, but some of you don't. If you've seen me recently, you definitely know. Our second baby should be gracing our presence any day now. But it seems appropriate to mention the grief process while being pregnant. Grief and pregnancy is a crazy combo. And then you say, and if pregnancy wasn't full of questions and worry enough, consider a dying and now dead mother into the concoction the fuck is happening. And you've got a recipe for some really crazy roller coaster emotions. And you say, I've spent a lot of the last three months focusing on my own health and the health of the baby. It's both therapeutic and complex. I have a lot of worry about how I will feel about being a mother without a mother. Thank you. That's those words are really, really, really powerful. And uh, 
So I guess it kind of leads us into the whole pregnancy and, and while you're grieving. And really the question too is, how is it being a mother without a mother? And you know, how, I know we, you shared a little bit before the call about how, um, you, you know, the pregnancy and death go hand in hand, which I talk a lot about how birth and death, you know, it's like the flip side of the coin, right? So I would love for you mm -hmm. to just share some of your wisdom on all that and what your experience has been. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because I have two children now, and my my mom's original diagnosis was during the first pregnancy of my older son, and then she died during the pregnancy of my second son. Uh -huh. So I've I've experienced a full range of what could happen, I suppose as a mother who has a mother who's dying and now has is, is dead and um yeah. i i have to say i'm so incredibly grateful this is not my first son without a mom because mm -hmm. whenever i had my whenever i had my first son my mom actually came and stayed with me despite being on chemo and ill and you know she just wanted to be there for me and my son so much um and so i think about that and that makes me feel really sad that that my second son will not experience that. Um, mm -hmm. And I, being that this is my second son, I feel like I've got a little bit of first-time stuff. So when sure, he's sure. crying, <laughs> when you know when he's crying, it's like okay, I know I know what this cry means because I've been there. So I'm huh. really well, this is not my first go around. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, what What I was that a lot of this with my mom was going to come up during his labor because I'm also really um, a big proponent of conscious birthing and, like, mm -hmm. all-natural unmedicated birthing whenever everything is, is safe, right? Yeah. So, yeah. um... <laughs> During my second son's birth and, and labor, um, it was a really emotional experience, but I was actually surprised how little my mom my mom and her, her passing came up during the birth. Um, but like I said in that post, I, I was really doing a lot to get myself in a place where I, I wasn't going to experience a ton of grief mm -hmm. during labor. Um, so, I mean, just to share a little bit about his birth, there was a, there was a moment in, everything was progressing nicely and I had a little bit of a setback because of something that had happened and, and it turned into a very emotional thing. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> where, where my dad, my dad was trying to find his way to the hospital and he was, he was lost. And there was this uh, moment of, well, you know, if my mom was with him, would have he got lost? Or, you know, would have he been contacting my husband? So there was a lot of questions where I actually was dilated to nine centimeters and I went down to five because I was then got stuck into the spot and I was not being conscious anymore. It, it, it went, I wasn't present with myself. I went somewhere else, right? So, wow. Um, <laughs> 
that's really powerful. It was such a it was such a experience of the mind and the body connection because mm-hmm. as soon as my mind left, my body shut down. You know. Wow. And yeah, it was it was really intense. But um, you know, we got we got it back together, and they became just fine, and everything was great. And I I got to be fully present for his actual birth. I remember every moment of it <laughs> and uh-huh. it's very beautiful so um I, you know I, I and I think that like I was saying earlier birth and death go hand in hand so well that mm-hmm. it's it, they're both such an important event that I couldn't imagine not being completely wholly present for it and right, right. that's that's why I chose to be grieving consciously mm-hmm. um, because it was just as important for me to be fully present for my son's birth as it would be for my mom's death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's, thank you for sharing all that. That's powerful. That, uh, yeah, the mind-body connection. Wow, that's that's amazing. Um and I, I like what you're saying because, you know, through the conscious grieving, you know, you can be present for other moments happening in your life. And, you know, as you know, life is a series of moments. And so um, birth and death happen. But how wonderful to be present and um, fully present with, with both of those. And, and it's you you have the opportunity to do that with um what three or four months apart of one another so that's really incredible okay (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) i'm so grateful for everything you're sharing and um so i guess uh i have a couple of other questions uh just kind of fun questions before we wrap it up and um are you the most and why yeah, and it can um, be about any subject. Sure. Well, whenever I reached out to you and you had told me about um, the documentary Grief Walker, that was the first step in really even knowing that there are people out there who um, don't see this death and grief as um, a taboo subject and that they actually want to like feel everything and move move into it and move through it rather than around it or avoid it altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was really helpful and I've actually um, followed his other books and, and speaking events and stuff like that. Um, so I think that he was really good, which his name is... Um, Stephen Jenkinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... He's so badass. Um, I love yeah. his. I love his like Native American approach to things, you know. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think everything is really uh, very ceremonial with the stuff that he does. And yeah, it's, it's, well, uh, and I love his, his, mm-hmm. his story and his background too, because he's he's like from the city. You know, and he knows yeah. about the way our normal culture is. It's not like he's, you know, 
in the woods somewhere. You know what I mean? It's Off the grid, totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's a normal person, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, totally. He, he and, learns then and then retreats. Yeah. Yes. And then um, there's another book called Being with Dying by Joan Halifax that was super <laughs> helpful for me as well, um, which is more of a Buddhist approach. Um, yeah. And and then um, I just recently started reading this, and then I had to kind of stop whenever, because um, I started reading it like right before my mom transitioned, um, and mm -hmm. so I kind of had to stop because it was too much all at one time, but um, Being Mortal by Atul Gawande, I think. Yeah. 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 That was... Um, that was a really good book because I'm a very direct communicator and I really appreciated his approach to it just being, it was almost medical, you know, it was like this is what happens when you're alive mm -hmm. and, and through the aging process. It was more about aging than like cancer or something like that, but it was still just so, it was just, it was a nice approach, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He has a nice like practical view of it and yeah, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I like that book a lot too. Um, yeah. yeah, he's yeah, it's really cool. Well, thank you. And then, do you have a favorite quote or mantra that kind of sticks with you? Yes. Um, so I wrote writing for me is really therapeutic, and um, I never actually read like a eulogy for my mom, but really helpful for me to write. And one of the quotes that I had found that really fit with what I was trying to write was um, by Erica Messer. And mm -hmm. she says, there are things we don't want to happen, but have to accept. There are things we don't want to know, but have to learn. And people we can't live without, but have to let go. Wow. And I just, I just feel like, that kind of sums up life in general. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But, you know, wow. like I said earlier, I I wish that my mom was still here, but I'm really happy that she's no longer in pain and that she's at peace. And, and I'm thankful for the lessons that I've learned through the grief process as she transitioned spread out over three years, you know. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Thank you. And so is there anything else that you can think of that you want to share as kind of a closing or anything that comes to mind? Um, you know, I think that it's important to um, talk about this subject. So I'm so grateful and so glad that you're doing this. Um, oh, having two little two little kids, I'm already talking to them about the cycle of life and, mm -hmm. and appreciating life and appreciating the death process. And we never stop talking about it because it's important for all of us to embrace each other yeah. instead of being afraid. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. I, I'm so so grateful for your willingness to participate in this podcast. I am just really overjoyed, and you've uh, you've given me a lot to think about. And I'm sure that um, 
you've uh, given our, our listeners a lot to think about. And, you know, just thank you again for sharing about your mom, Judith. <clears throat> and uh, it was just wonderful to have you. And, and uh, thank you again. And we would just uh, want to thank everyone for tuning in to Walking Me for their home. And thank you.